Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. chapter 11, reading with verse 8. Thank you, Sister Kendra, for teaching us about what moves us. Amen. I am moved by that. I want to respond to the simplicity of the gospel. How many love the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus? He's alive. He is alive. Amen. I'm so moved by what she said. Go to church with a judgmental eye. Tell me something new. Tell me something old. I want to hear it again. When they're singing about the gospel, I want to respond. How about you? Amen. If it hadn't been for the Lord, where would we be? Praise God. Uh, we've been praying that God wouldn't give us a revival of conforming, but a revival of transformation. I mean, oh, that's our prayer at the church right now. We want to see lives changed, and you can't be changed without the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to have the gospel. Amen. Let there be a hearty amen in the building. So glad uh, to have with us, amen, Brother Simon and Sister Sydney McDonald. So glad they're with us, and um, we're getting spent of the week with their family. Wasn't that a great 80th anniversary? Wasn't that wonderful? First class. This week I'm so moved. We went on vacation and and started out in West Virginia. That's a great place to start. Went on down to Jamestown, First Church. Next stop was Arlington Cemetery. Saw the change of the guards, tomb of an unknown soldier. Ended after a lot of monuments and museums at the Holocaust. So moved by. We need a revival in the land. It's not going to come with just good church. There's got to be, there's got to be a radical revival, a radical change. Everybody's got to get a hold of this and say, "I'm going to preach the gospel." Everybody, I'm going to teach my children. I'm going to preach it to my name. Everybody's got to get a hold of it. Oh my my, I uh, um, Hebrews 11. Man, there's something stirring in us. I can't read my text. I think somebody just needs to call out to the Lord and let the Lord touch you right now. Would you do that? Let the Lord. This is His church.
something to stir the complacent and the mediocre to move you to something that God has better for you and your family. I want everything that God has for me. Hebrews 11 verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Everybody say he obeyed. He went out not knowing whether he went. He just left. He obeyed God's voice. We need to get a hold of that when God calls us to something. Sometimes you got to leave not knowing where you're going, but knowing you're obeying the voice of the Lord. Sounds like a call of God. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, or another word would be a tent, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city. Everybody say, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. means past the age to deliver children or to conceive. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to believe that God is faithful to fulfill the promises in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, yet. It hasn't happened yet. Amen. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. Speaking of Isaac. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They're looking for something beyond here. It's something beyond now. It was in their DNA to look for this place that God had prepared for them. Somebody say amen. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. Oh, anybody feel that way today? That is an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Do you believe God has prepared for you a city? Would you clap your hands and thank God? Would you clap your hands and thank God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, He has prepared for us a city. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. I'd like to preach simply on you have, re you have reached your final destination. You have reached your final destination. I will cut to the chase today and say to you that the writings of Paul were simply about a short life and a long eternity. Things like life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. He told us that if we only had hope in this life, we would be of men most miserable. 
Did he not? He writes to the church in Thessalonica and he said, but there's one that's descending from heaven with a shout. The ark of the, of the angel is going to sound the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I serve you notice today that this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. One of these days I will have an address change notification. Amen. Where there are streets of gold, John said, gates of pearl and walls of jasper and no more pain, no more sorrow and no more suffering. Is there anybody looking for that city that has 12 foundations whose builder and maker is God? Clap your hands if you're looking for a city. Amen. Somebody shout, I'm looking for a city. When I was growing up, there was a man by the name of Lloyd Hart. He would sing a song in church. He said, I'm going to a city 1,500 miles long. I'm going to a city 1,500 miles long. It's coming down from heaven. And he'd say, and there's room for me and you. It's coming down from heaven. There's room for me and you. Oh, I'm going to a city 1,500 miles long. That's how he'd sing it. Oh, I'm going to a city, oh, 1,500 miles long. It's coming down from heaven, and there's room for everyone. I'm going to sing, I'm going to shout in that city called New Jerusalem. I'm going to sing, I'm going to shout in that city called New Jerusalem. It's coming down from heaven. And there's room for me and you. Is there anybody in this building that you've got your mind made up? I'm going to that city. I'm going to that city. I'm going to a place that God has prepared for me. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Paul tells us in the scripture, he would quote things like, to live is Christ. To die is to gain. What is he saying? We rejoice and throw. Now they have gender reveals. They're a big party now. And uh, Cindy and I on Sawyer, we waited until he was born to find out, didn't we? One of the greatest surprises of our life. And uh, some of you didn't even have that opportunity when you were having children to know that the baby was born. Now it's a gender reveal. Now everybody's invited. It's a great big party. Same way when the baby is born, people gather around. And uh, it's a great celebration. Truth of the matter is we rejoice at births and we cry at deaths. But probably we ought to cry at births and rejoice at deaths. Job said man's days are full of trouble. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. I mean, know the things that you worry about that your children might have to go through. Chaos and wars and things we heard about this morning. But I come to tell you that everything in life that is seen is temporal. That which is not seen is eternal. I, I just want to throw this in here for a moment of hope. But I would say to you that your trial that you're going through is temporal. It is a season. How many know it's a season? 
There's a time for mourning, but there will be a time for dancing not too far from now. Whatever you're going through, it's temporal. But I would tell you that the car you drive is temporal. The house you live in is temporal. The spouse you're married to is temporal. The parents that you have, they're temporal. The grandparents that you have, it's all temporal. The job you have, the money in the bank, it's all temporal. But if it's all temporal, if we believe this book, why are our emotions so caught up in something that's only temporary? Well, we need to start putting our emotions around that which is eternal. Come on, I wouldn't let anything substitute the house of God on a Sunday because eternity has to be my focus. Eternity has got to be what I'm looking toward. Somebody say amen. And in the American church, we, we, we don't see much persecution. It's on the way, but it, it, it's really not what we see around the world. And I understand because I, I know the missionaries there that have been here. And, and I, was, I was preaching in France just a few years ago. And, and there was someone that repented that they were Muslim and they were from one of those countries and it could not be announced they were baptized they were filled with the Holy Ghost they were Muslim and it could not be because if their family would find out they would behead them it was that serious of a situation that was there they know persecution we don't know persecution when the apostles, when, when the converts of the book of Acts would give their life, when they would give their life to Jesus Christ, that meant they were signing up to be martyrs. They were signing up to give everything to Him. I mean, no, this is true. But there was something in them that looked for better than where they were. They believed there was a heaven that was beyond this life, that there was a Savior worth giving their life for. Come on, this is more than signing up just a better life. This has got to become about eternal life. This is not just about a raise. This is not just about a car. This is not just about health and getting healed. It's about knowing that you've got an eternal reward. Clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I pretty much preached my message. It's about eternity. And I will ask you this right now. Are you right with God? If you died tonight, are you right with the Lord? Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Are you right with God? If you took your last breath today, are you right with God? If you're not thinking about it, then you're not looking for a city. We, on our travels... Our goal was D.C. and went through different places on the way there and took some different stops, but our destination was D.C. This life is a journey. When they, Adam, excuse me, Abraham and Sarah, when God called him to leave the land of, of his father was an idolater, a heathen, Terah was his name, had started the journey to Canaan, but he left his family because of their ways. He had to separate from his family, as God told him. How many know that? And on his way, at his wife, that, that Sarah, by name, Sarah, to begin with, and she was barren. But the Lord visited him and told him that he would be a father of many nations. 
He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. You're going to be a father of many nations. And, and uh, it took some time for, for this promise to be fulfilled in Sarah. Matter of fact, when she heard the angels tell, tell him that she was going to have a child, how many know she laughed? Her name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. God put a ha in her spirit. Because if you were 90 years old, you told you to have a baby, you'd probably laugh too. Miracles happen. And in this moment, she believed because she believed that he was faithful who had what? Promised. I want to say to you on this journey, we cannot walk this journey without the touch of the supernatural power of God. This is not about logic and facts and two plus two. I want to say on this journey between this temporal world and the eternal world to come, we need the miraculous hand of God among us. Amen. This is not just getting our bills paid and our life just better. We need miracles in this building where alcoholics can become converts of Jesus Christ and people that come from backgrounds can be made whole. We need the supernatural touch of God. Somebody say amen. It stirs me today because yesterday morning I woke up and I felt led to tell you in this room there is a final destination for this church on this earth. But there's also a final destination for everybody that passes through this church. No matter when they're born or when they die, there's a place that God has prepared for them. While we're here, there was something inside of Abraham that he kept looking for a city. He never dug a foundation. He never had a post office box. He, he just traveled from place to place looking for this place. We would later call it the promised land. What he did not know is while he was looking for the city, everywhere his feet would touch became his and his family's inheritance. The reason God had him wandering is so he wouldn't be content in one place. There must be in the church a hint of discontentment, not satisfied. We've arrived. One preacher got up and said, I don't have to read my Bible because I've read it before and I don't need to read it anymore. I don't want him to be my pastor. There's got to get something in you that seeks more of God. I don't believe I'm preaching to anybody that is totally settled here right now. But there was something in that was looking for more of God and what God had prepared. It, it caused them to be on this journey. And God promised there's a future in you. There's a future in your family. Now, I, I, you're going to have a child. And out of that's going to come a nation. And all these blessings are going to be upon you. But there was this discontentment in it. He was, he was never settled to stay in one single location. So you'll find in Genesis 13, the Lord speaks to him. He said, lift your eyes northward. Lift your eyes southward. Lift your eyes eastward. Lift your eyes westward. And what was he saying? He said, everywhere you see, I'm going to give it to you. Because on the journey between here and the city, there has to be vision in the church. There can't just be us four and no more. Just our family and that's it. No, a nation is coming out of him. 
There's going to be more than you can count, more than you can multiply. He said, out of your bellies in the New Testament shall flow rivers of living water. He said, I'm going to pour a blessing on you that you can't contain it. it. It's bigger than what you have in your little family unit. Is there anybody here that hears what I'm preaching to you today? We've got to have a vision between now and that city that says it's bigger than just for my family. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger than Zanesville. It's bigger than 1365 Chamberlain Street. It's bigger. I think it was 737. Is it 737 Monroe Street? I think that's what it was. 747 sounds like an airplane. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than Marietta Street. It's bigger than right here. I believe that where we put our feet, God has given us. Crooksville. Just to say, Guatemala. Because he said, it's not good enough to lift your eyes and see it. Go there. You've got to get there. And when you put your feet there, I'm going to give it to you. I remember Brother Descardo saying, I saw a vision of an anchor coming out of the Zanesville and it was a chain on there and locked into in McConnellsville. And I'm so glad we got a church in McConnellsville because it's bigger than a city. It's bigger than one location. Do you hear what I'm saying? There was this discontentment that comes in us and says, why can't the pastor just be satisfied just a Sunday and Wednesday? Oh, no, you're never going to find me satisfied with a Sunday and a Wednesday. God's got much better for us here and there. we got to do something now, and he's got something for us in eternity. Somebody shout hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm looking for a city. We should never stop looking for a city of what God is building and what God is doing. The Bible says, it went on to say that they looked, watch what it says, they died in faith, verse 13 of Hebrews 11, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Look at your neighbor say, quit being content, there's more. Some of you are content with your finances, but there's more. Well, I know the Bible says be content with our wages, but God's got bigger plans of what he wants to do through you, not just to you. Can I just cast a little vision? I believe the Anchor Church can be the last stop for a missionary that doesn't have to deputize. We can pay off their PIMs and send them to the foreign field because God wants to bless his people. There's got to be vision. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. It started out looking for a city, but the descendants started looking for a country. I believe it's bigger than just a city. Guy Smith saw the city. Bishop Ferris saw the city. I believe there's a revival that's going to impact countries. From right here in this city. Why is it the prophets come through and they say, you can reach the world from here. Somebody that doesn't ever even heard what that one said 10 years later come in just a few weeks ago when evangelist Cody Mark stopped. He said, you can reach a nation from this city. He turned to me and he said, do you realize it's the farming communities that feed the metropolis areas? 
Is it possible that God's wanting this church to do more than just reach its neighbors in the city, but we can send flaming evangelists north, south, east, and west to other countries? Oh, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It has happening, but greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done, but you've got to get a vision. Clap your hands and praise him. Clap your hands and praise him. It was in his DNA look for the city. It was in him looking for a city. Everywhere he went, through the sand dunes, up and down the countries, even on his detour to Egypt, his exit from Egypt later brought his people out of Egypt. Hundreds of years later, when he went south into Egypt, it allowed the children of Israel, three and a half million, to come out of Egypt because when Abraham left Egypt, it gave them permission to have authority to get out of Egypt. Because what you do today will impact your family tomorrow. That's why Levi received tithes in the bosom of Abraham. Because while Abraham was tithing, four generations later were being impacted by him. Because the blessing never hangs in one family or one generation. I'm living in the sacrifice of my grandparents and my parents. I'm living in the sacrifice of Frank and Deborah Bounds that not once, not twice, but three times sold everything they had to plant churches. I'm living in the altar of that. And on the journey between to the promised land for Abraham, he sort of looked through a glass darkly. He knew it was somewhere, but he was walking, not knowing he was claiming territory. But he was an impacting nations. Mama, every time you get on the altar and pray, you're impacting your baby's future. Daddy, every time you give your tithes and offerings and get on your knees and you seek the face of God, you are impacting your children's children. Do you believe that today? Every time you choose to get up on a Sunday morning, make your way to the house of God, it does something for babies that aren't even born yet. He said it will impact them to the third even to the fourth generation. And I'm going to declare to you, there's a revival right now in this city of people that their grandparents were founding members that are just now coming back to God because it will never be in vain. It will never be in vain. It will never be in vain for in every journey. That God sends you, not knowing where you're going. Just walking through life, God gives you a vision. Everybody say north, south, east, and west. Everywhere his foot touched, God gave it to him. But there was a moment that God stopped him and said, I need you to do something. What is it? I need to put your future on the altar. I need to put your children on the altar. I need to take your child and lay him on the altar. But I say to you today, if you don't create altars for your family... There will be no supernatural future for your family. We got to be very, very careful to offer our children to the world when we should be laying on the altars before the Lord. They want your kids. 
They're recruiting them every day to get them to leave the church and go somewhere else on Sunday. But somebody's got to say, my child belongs on the altar of God. I, I, I know, listen, I know we do baby dedications. We've revamped our baby dedication because we had so many parents coming, making vows to God that would leave. They didn't know what they were doing, so now we do three classes that they go through baby dedication classes so they'll know the vow that they're making to train them up in the house of God to be an example, biblical example to their children. Now we go through three classes so they'll know the covenant they're making so they won't lie before the Lord, not knowing what they're getting, getting into. Understand that. But do you realize what Abraham was doing when he laid Isaac on the altar? It was his whole future. The future promises were in him. And God saying, lay him on the altar as a burnt sacrifice. Bring him to the altar. Some believe he was 12. Some believe he was 17. I'm not sure of the exact age of Isaac. But they, he brought him up and he's carrying the wood. He's got a dagger on his side. There's a flame in the hand. He gets up there and Isaac says... Dad, he said, I see the wood, I see the fire, where's the sacrifice? He says, it's you. I'm not letting you live like everybody else lives. You better hear this today. I'm not going to let you look like everybody else. I'm not going to let you act like everybody else. I, I, I'm not going to let you be, be like the world. I'm not going to let you be ungodly. I'm not going to let you watch what everybody else is watching. I'm not going to let you do. It's a sacrifice for a parent to say no to their child when the child is screaming to be like everybody else. But he looks and says, I'm offering you to the Lord today. Listen, the Bible says he was as good as dead. I wonder what would happen if we could get our children to, de to die out to the desires of, of American culture and American things and die out to the ways of the world and fall in love with God today and you believe there's a better something for them if they would just be offered to the Lord. Can I say to you, their consecration, your dedication to the house of God, when they say, I want to stay home, you say, not in this house. I want to go here, not in this house. I want to wear that, not in this house. I want to watch that. All my friends are listening to this. I know it's hard sometimes to lay your child on an altar when the whole world is doing something different. But I'm telling you, there is power in the resurrection of that child. There's power in the resurrection of that baby that gets a purity in their heart that falls in love with the things of God. Be seated a moment. One of the best things can happen is your child doesn't talk like everybody else, act like everybody else, have relationships like everybody else, do what everybody else does. I'm telling you, I've heard from the Lord today, but if our children could ever fall in love with what mom and dad fell in love with, and that is a promise of God that there is a better city, there's a better country, there's a better way. I feel like preaching right now. There's something better than drug addiction. There's something better than depression and fear. There's something better than the ways of the world. Young people, don't you dare feel intimidated because you're still a virgin. Don't you dare feel intimidated because you don't listen to that mess. Oh, no, I am a child of God. I'm a child of the king. His royal blood flows through my veins. Watch what it says. 
I'll come to a close in a few moments. It says, by, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, when he was tried, I know parents in this building, you feel so pressured to get your children to do what culture's doing. I understand that. I've been there. I have felt that. But God says, I need them to be different. I need you to create an altar for my future. It wasn't Isaac's decision. It was dad's decision. You need to quit letting the pressures of the world cause you to do things that are against your own conscience. I don't care who in the family says it's okay. Well, I just think you need to ease up on those restrictions you got with your kids. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not raising somebody like everybody else. I've got an anointed person in my house. I've got a future of the kingdom in my house. I'm on being just a little bit out of my, out of my plan here. But when, he's, when he told Samson's mother he's going to be a judge of Israel, listen, he's going to be a judge. It was the fulfillment of Jacob's prophecy that out of Dan would come a judge. His name should be called Samson. And he looks, the angel looks at the mother and says, don't take it the vine. Don't ever let a razor come up on his head. And he's got to stay away from dead things. Because atmospheres will always determine futures. And consecration will always determine futures. That's why there's some things that should never enter their eyes. There's some things that should never enter their ears. There's some places they should never go. And there's some places, amen, they should never fit in. I'm preaching to you because when Delilah showed up in Samson's world, this is what she said. What do I need to do to you? How may I afflict you to get you to be like every other man? Don't ever forget, the goal of every satanic spirit is to get your children to be like everybody else. And to get the church to be like everybody else. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my babies, we're going to live for Jesus. Come on, somebody else jump to your feet and help me preach for a minute. As for me and my house, we're going to be what God wants us to be. We're going to do what God wants us to do. So when you're telling Winston no and Cohen no, there's times as a parent, everything in you feels pressured. Wait till they become teenagers. That's a whole new level. Pressures within. Pressures without. But you've got to listen to one voice in the midst of all kinds of council voices in our kingdom, in our culture. What did God say? What did he say? He said to take him up on the mountain offering. Lay him down on the altar. You know what I've learned? If you'll build the altar, they'll lay on it. Quit waiting on them to build the altar. And you build the altar. Because they'll live in the consecration that you set. But if you're tossed to and fro and stuck between two worlds yourself, they're not ever going to lay on an altar they don't know is stable or not. But when daddy's looking for a city, when daddy's looking for the kingdom, when daddy's looking for the kingdom, there's something that just moves up on Isaac that he comes looking for the sacrifice. It's got to be here somewhere. 
God's always provided. Because anytime you're kingdom focused, God always provides. And the Bible says he was willing to offer Isaac, knowing that God was able to raise him from the dead. I believe, I believe our consecrated young people will not miss out. They will live and thrive in the blessings of a resurrected Savior. Oh, I'm preaching what I feel. I'm coming to a close. But I'm telling you, all of a sudden, they start looking for the same city Daddy's been looking for. They start looking for, is there anybody here that wants your children to look for a city and to love the things of God? Be seated just for a couple minutes and I'm going to close. I do believe that in this church there's been great vision from our founding pastor, Bishop Ferris. And I believe the Lord has given me great vision. I do believe that. We've, we've multiplied into even two different countries. And I'm excited about that. We're not done with that. What are we doing? North, south, east, and west. There's a specific place God has for this church. It takes a lot of boldness to say it, but every time I get in prayer, I feel it. I do believe we're going to own property down by the wide bridge, and I believe that's our final destination. I do believe it. I believe it with everything in me. But am I? I don't think it was an accident. A year ago in May, you said, I feel something in staff meeting. Because our staff meetings aren't always factual and logical. Sometimes they're spiritual, which we need temporal and eternal. You hear me talk about it tonight. Remember you said, I believe there's going to be a harvest down there. What we didn't know when we bent our knee there, we had a vision. That would become the future location of the anchor. Amen. I believe what was a gate of hell called Zanesville turned to a gate of heaven where people are going to come from everywhere to get direction. I believe it with all of my heart. Can I go ahead and tell you what I feel? I believe people from every culture, Muslims, Christians, different denominations, I believe Wicca people, Wiccan people, people are atheists are going to come to find direction from God because they're looking for a city. And it's a city that's set on a hill that can't be hid. Amen. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel. But they put it on a candlestick so everybody can see it. Do you believe God's going to bring direction? If you do, stand to your feet, clap your hands, and shout hallelujah. Oh, shout hallelujah. You'll see so many people delivered. Not just remain standing from addiction, but from brokenness and abandonment and abuse. They're going to be healed. They're going to become world changers. People that come from divorced, broken relationships are going to be healed and be able to love again. People that have had abortions and went through grief and tragic deaths and things they have no questions to, God's going to heal. And they're going to thrive in life and not just try to get by. And it's not going to be by might nor by power. He said, by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And he said, that wall could be built in 52 days, and I believe there's a miracle in the making right now. Come on, clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What I'm saying to you, it's okay to have vision for temporary buildings, temporary property. They did. It's called Jerusalem. Right? 
They built a building there that people gathered all the way from Queen of Sheba, came a thousand miles with a plane, a train, an automobile to come there and hear the wisdom and see the kingdom of God because it's about a kingdom. And in this world, we are temporal people. That's why you have padded seats. Now, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. Can I get a witness or somebody? And in the temporal world, we're not in a tent. We have sealed house that David talked about building for the Lord. That's what we do. A roof that's been almost completed. Nearly half a million dollar roof. Small loan. Amen. He said, you're crazy. You're not thinking big enough. God's able. He can wipe it away in one week. Because we're the people of God and his hand is upon us. Everybody say temporal. There are temporal needs. Aren't you glad you have restrooms in the church? Updated building you can be proud of. But don't ever forget he moved in brush harbors too. This doesn't impress him. This helps us. He had vision here. But he also had a desire there. Don't ever get the two out of balance. Doesn't matter how holy we are, these carpets still need swept, leaves still fall, need raked. Your dishes get dirty. Y'all with me? But he had vision in the midst of temporary things. Vision of a kingdom on earth. That's what he saw. He was looking for a city. There was a kingdom here. We saw that in Jerusalem fulfilled, the promised land. Solomon was that king of that kingdom. It was a king of kings reality was it was a powerful place that people found hope and direction I do believe that God's going to give us this property I believe it I also believe it's the final destination for this church here in this city we've just been making a journey around the city God's blessed where we've been believe we went to that place and saw all those people one time we had 2,500 people down there hearing the gospel preach remember that it was awesome we've done multiple meetings there people have been delivered and set free and come to the Lord it's been awesome we're thankful but I believe we will have a sanctuary there I, but I sort of feel like Abraham a little bit brother West I feel like I'm going you know don't have all of it clear but I just got to take a step of faith and we have and already did Largest single offering ever given came just a few weeks ago in this church. Randomly, without an offering even being asked. People started giving because the man of God said, don't wait till next year to tell them what God put in your spirit. How many were here? I was going to wait because uh, we teach Dave Ramsey and I try to fulfill that. That's debt free. I stepped out in faith and spoke and God moved upon his people to begin to give. Amen. I believe we'll pay cash for that property. Amen. We're going to see. If you were ever healed, ever delivered from drugs or addiction, would you raise your hand? Amazing. Would you join me? Come down. Would you join me? testimony. We're not shaming you. We're testifying the goodness of God. Any alcohol, any any addiction, I want you to come. 
y'all join me on the platform? Come on. Join me. Come on up here with me. He's the God of this city. He's the King of these people. He's the Lord of this nation. That's who you are. I can't sing it as good as you. believe God's going to set her son free. This is what God can do. This is not big. It's the beginning, somebody said. There's a whole bunch of hurting people. I've never found a person that was addicted that that was the problem something down deep inside that was the problem. God heals the roots, not just the, the leaf on the tree. And I'm telling you, there's a great revival. It's going to come through conviction. It's going to come through an altar. I said it today, and I want to get back to it just for a moment. We have to have an altar. There is no revival. You'll never find the kingdom of God if you don't have an altar in your world. You've got to build an altar. I want every husband and wife to look at each other and say, we're going to build an altar in our home. Nehemiah, was it a church service that you got delivered? Or was it a personal prayer meeting? When did, when did God set you free? Was it, it was a prayer meeting. Sister Wendy? She said, I got delivered in a car. Amen. He's everywhere. Praise God. Here's why I'm doing this thing. Because got to get rid of the mindset that can only happen in a church building. It's going to happen in your living room. People are going to be set free. Just like that. It's going to happen. See, I have a vision. It's north, south, it's east and west. Big. And uh, what I see for the call, and you have such a powerful story. I love it. It's going to happen in people's houses. And we're going to celebrate it on Sundays. When you bring people from your community, your family, your co-workers that you've been teaching Bible studies to in the living room. We're going to teach you over the next several weeks. We're going to teach you how to teach a Bible study. Exploring God's Word is what we're going to do. And I'm going to challenge you to believe what she said. When she said the power is in the gospel. That means while I'm, it was powerful enough by Stephen to impact Paul later. Isn't that awesome? You can't unhear the gospel. Once it's heard, it's too late. It's doing a work. How many love the gospel? I think you're beautiful. I think you're wonderful. I think you are the church of Jesus Christ. Do you believe there's more of you all out there in the world that want to hear this? How many believe it? Brother Eric, I woke up praying for you that there will be a powerful move of God on your life.
You know what I believe is going to happen? Is when you're telling your story, your people in your circle are going to say, what's that I feel? And you're going to say, it's the Holy Ghost. And they're going to get what God's given you. That's what's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you all to stretch your hands to them. And I want you to pray that God would stir their heart to preach the gospel. Would you do that? This city's landscape is going to be changed. The demographics would completely change. Family dynamics would change. Love and peace will reign in the streets of our city. Because there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God of the city. Y'all didn't know you joined the choir today, did you? Now listen. Hey, you all believe with me? Brother Lee and Sister Teresa, where, where are they? Are they still here? They, they might have slipped, slipped out today. But uh, they, they lead prayer. They come to me and say, we need, we need to call a 24-hour prayer deal. We're going to do that again. Now listen. The building we build is just temporary. Permanent for the temporals on the earth. But people are going to come through that place being taught and trained and sent. They're going to come through that. It's not that we don't value here. It's just we've outgrown this property three times. How many know that? We've outgrown it three times. We've sent people all over. Let's do it again. We're going to build next time so we don't have to build anymore. We're going to send again. Hallelujah. Everybody say our final destination. But there's a place that says all of a sudden those that were the descendants went from looking for a city to looking for a country said they look for a better country. A heavenly country. There's more to this than a building program. There's more to this than updating the house. How I many know this world is not our home? There's another place we're really looking forward to. It's our forever. How many have some family members you want to see? Oh, I do. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.